financial literacy, and the human condition. Welcome to Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rayum. Welcome back to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler, along with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rayum, where we are talking about something that we all dream of, retirement. Ah, retirement, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, for people whose head is swimming about this math and who heard me say right out of the gate that one statistic says uh, 55000 is what we spend in living expenses, and yet the average household income for 2021 was 56000 and they're saying, wait, those numbers don't work. Yeah, they don't match up. Yeah, it isn't that I'm poor at math. It's that the numbers don't work. Mm-hmm. Even the statistics you read are all over the place. But I'm trying to go by government statistics for the most part. But what isn't really working, and the reason why the, the economy is still moving and why people still go to work and have a house to live in and drive a car and, and go on vacation and all of that, is because we have this house of cards called credit. Mm-hmm. And so that gap that isn't getting funded by our income, by our Social Security, any retirement income, or our, our jobs, and the gap between that and our living expenses is going where? On loans. Of some sort. Yeah, and a it credit could be card. Credit, yeah, it could be credit cards, but it could also be a home equity loan. It could be a personal loan. It could be refinancing your mortgage multiple times, right? Mm-hmm. It could even be in the car you drive. Sometimes people will uh, turn in their car and they owe more on it than it's worth, and they get another car, and the car dealership makes it work. Yeah, that's and happened now to me multiple times. You were upside down yeah, alone. That's right. It's being it's called upside down. That's right. So that's more debt. So if you were to think about these numbers you know, how much you spend in living expenses versus how much your income is. Without debt and without the major health care expense and all that, it's fairly close. I mean, yes, you have taxes coming out of that number, but you could see that, all right, that might work. I might be able to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. But now we start to add in the average kinds of debt that people have. Now, again, this is just statistics I'm taking. These are averages or median debt, depending on what stat I could get. Typical average credit card debt in America is a little over $5,000. The payment on it is a little over 110 monthly. A personal loan, a little over 17000 The payment on that, about 300 An automobile loan, average, about $21,000. Now, just as an aside, a new car average price is 39340 A used car average price is 39830 Oh, that is so awful. As of, you know, first quarter of 2022 yeah. versus the last quarter of 2021. So wacky things are going on out there. Mm-hmm. A new car payment average is about 650 a month. Used is about five forty a month. Roughly speaking. Crazy. That used to be the rent cost of rent. I think those car payments are astronomical. Yeah. I mean, you know, when people ask me, I say try to keep it, you know, around three hundred, three fifty, whatever you, you know, if you can do this and you can afford it. Student loans, almost forty thousand average per student or per student loan, I should say. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, if it's on it, you know, almost four hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Home equity line of credit. And by the way, I'm giving these to you because most people I see have pretty much all of these. Not one or two. Most people are carrying all of this kind of debt. But hopefully student loans and things like that would be paid up before you're thinking about retirement, right? Yeah, I guess the key word there is hopeful. Hopeful. (laughs) Right. And and I think anybody with student loans knows, oh, man, I mean, you know, almost no way I'm going to get this done unless they get forgiven or I get some kind of plan in place. Mm -hmm. A home equity line of credit, very popular loan for people to go and, you know, throw all their debt together so that they can pay it off somehow. Uh, That average is about 39000 the average payment on it, 417 bucks for a repayment plan. Or if you're still in that interest-only dream phase, about $160. All of this adds up to so much per month that you've got to cover. 
Yeah, the, I mean, the last one I'm going to go through because I'm trying to just pick the main pieces of debt that people have. Mm-hmm. A mortgage. So a mortgage, average mortgage right now is about 220000 That's on the books. Mm-hmm. And the payment is just under two grand, 1967 Okay. Right. But a mortgage cost right now averages $346,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See where I'm headed. I mean, the, the horse has left the corral here, folks. You know, this is not... This is not going away on its own. If you're going to save your own retirement ship, you're going to have to do something about this. So let me give you the down and dirty numbers here. When I said it would take a little bit of math, but you will see the problem. Here's the problem. If you're making household income of $56,000 a year, mm-hmm. divide that by 12, you get roughly $4,700 a month before taxes. After taxes, depending on what tax bracket you're in, let's just take off 25% just to be easy here. Okay. And that brings us to about $3,500 a month. Again, I'm just trying to give you easy math. Mm-hmm. So now let's say you're bringing home $3,500 a month, right? Just the debt payments I just added up. Forget groceries and gas and, oh, I don't know, if you like to go to a movie occasionally. Forget that stuff. Well, the mortgage alone is close to half, right? Just the debt Yeah, exactly. Just the debt payments. If you bought a new car, uh, you know, those average debt payments are like $3,800 a month. Yeah, that's not up. So, you know, again, averages don't always work cleanly. Most people do have enough money to make their debt payments and their living expenses because the loan machine is designed to give you just enough debt. Now, this is going to sound like a conspiracy theory, so you have to hang in there with me, folks. It's designed to give you enough debt that you can still afford the payments and move these loans through the system. That's how corporate America makes money. They make money on the interest you pay on these loans, Mm -hmm. and they make money on the investment dollars you have in the market, right? But the interest you pay on the loans is the real nut to crack. Mm -hmm. So let's suppose you do have 56, let's use an easy number. Let's say you have $50,000 coming in after taxes. Well, let's even say before taxes. You have $50,000 coming in before taxes. Most loans, including a mortgage, will lend to you up to a 43% debt-to-income ratio. That means you can spend about 21500 of those dollars on debt. Okay. $50,000 before taxes, and you can spend 21500 on debt. That's not going to leave you very much for living expenses. But the, the pause was because, think about this for a minute. That's a before-tax number. Mm-hmm. After taxes, you're down much lower than that, right? Plus, then we have these, you know, Medicare expenses and other, you know, health care and other living expenses. So how are we making it? We're putting it on debt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if anybody ever wants to go through real numbers with me, I'm happy to help them. But it's so clear to me when I read all these articles that say just work longer and make more money. What is behind that kind of training? And I don't read hardly anything other than the kind of, you know, quick things like get off your debt for pennies on a dollar, you know, pay off your debt and don't forget to do this or do that and you'll be out of debt in no time, you know. Mm -hmm. But anything real where people are looking at their debt, making a plan for their debt, working on their budget, forecasting for retirement in some real way other than, hey, the government says you got to have 1.04 million, let's get cracking, you know. What is the game changer? It's very simple. You can do a few things. One, 
you can work longer and you can make more money. And that will definitely have a positive effect on your retirement portfolio. There's no doubt about that. Well, I think what I've taken out of this episode is the fact that I will not be retiring in my 50s. Well, now I don't know about that. (laughs) Not after those figures. That is my point precisely because you know how many people I see who say, I will never be able to retire or Mm -hmm. there's no way I'll be able to retire in my 50s or my 60s. It's just not going to happen. But once you get rid of this debt properly, the way we're talking about, right, so that you aren't spending a lot of extra money on it necessarily. You're not continuing to rack it up. You get a handle on it is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Once you get a handle on it and you get a plan and you, you pair that with actual budget, real tracked expenses, real budget, not just kitchen table estimates, and then you pull it into, we now have Hug Your Retirement Live online, and when you pull this into this system and you add your investments to it, if you have any, a lot of people don't have any yet, but that's when you can see Bam, right in one place, pretty instantly, you know, oh, there's my problem. I'm going to have to correct this in some way. And you go about correcting it. Or, hey, this looks okay, and I can see it, and I can stop worrying so much about this. But if you go back to our previous scenario, if you're not paying any of those debt payments, if that debt is gone, Mm -hmm. then you do have enough money to make ends meet. And you have what we call play checks, right? There's paychecks and play checks. And at retirement, you know, I want you to have play checks. It doesn't happen instantly, Jeff, but it isn't going to happen at all if we don't face this problem, if we don't actually look at it and say, hey, you know what? We're not the only family or I'm not the only person who feels like I'm never going to be able to retire. Mm-hmm. And there's no way I'm going to build a million dollars, so I might as well give up. It but- isn't true. It can always be better. But there's light at the end of the tunnel. Let's get your phone number because I think it's, you know, good for people to to be able to call and talk to you one-on-one. Yeah, I love to show people how to solve this problem. So they can reach me at 413-773-3333. All right, perfect. We have time for just a couple of questions. I got one in from Mark from East Hampton who wanted to know, is it better to buy a house with a lower cost at a higher interest rate or buy a more expensive house with a lower interest rate? <laughs> what an interesting question. Um, thank you for playing, Mark. I, I think that is a personal, uh, I don't mean to be making fun of him, but I love these questions. But that's a very personal thing. Is it better to do it? So if I had my druthers, as my mother would have said, I would rather that you buy a house with a lot of equity in it at a very low interest rate and you keep a very affordable payment. The other thing he posed, I don't think really matters. It's kind of apples and oranges there, you know. It depends on what your personal situation is about whether it's better for you or not. The monthly payment, Mm -hmm. uh, I think is what he's getting to, will be about the same. All right. Kim from Southampton says, would you recommend that your single clients take a money class or get counseling together before combining money with their partner? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I thought I knew the answer to that one. Ask me again. Yes. No, it's the nicest thing. In fact, I think we have a testimonial on the air of a married couple who was doing just that. They were merging their finances. They wanted to make sure it wasn't going to be a problem within their marriage. And so they wanted help getting on the same page. Yeah, I think it's smart to do it ahead of time because I think that's probably one of the top things that people fight about. Top three reasons for divorce, finance, infidelity, floppiness. There you go. All right. This one is a random question from Kelly in Northampton. She said, what are three things that you splurge on or you think is worth paying the extra money for? Oh, that's a fun question. (laughs) I can tell you that they're creature comforts for me. They are in, in my own home. I have a wood stove that I like very much. I bought it used, but it was a splurge for me. 
same thing with a hot tub. I found a hot tub nobody else wanted, and I paid a small amount of money to have an electrician hook it up and some people move it. Um, Those two things. And I think the third thing that I splurge on, let's see, um, gifts for people I love. Oh, I love that. I was going to say, she didn't ask me, but I'm going to add in sheets. I think sheets are worth the extra money. Oh, yeah. Well, there's lots of things like that. But, you know, it's relative to your income, Mm -hmm. what you can a splurge. I mean, some people say they splurge on their fingernails and other people, you know, splurge on a new car. Right. So, yeah, but for me, it's about things that either improve the quality of my life or someone else's. That's always where I, where I splurge. Yeah. All right. I love that. All right. Next question is from Marjorie Northampton. With inflation, I'm not making enough to cover my monthly bills. Should I take Mm -hmm. a hardship loan from 401k or a loan from a Roth IRA? Oh, if, if that is really her only route, boy, it depends on what both accounts are making, how much she's going to pay uh, in any kind of a penalty, depending on her age. If she's taking a hardship loan, I guess she won't have a penalty. But if it were a withdrawal, she might if she's under 59 and a half. You know, if, if she really has to do it, I guess I would prefer that she takes the loan from her 401k and pays herself back. But either way, it's taking money out of the market. Mm-hmm. And I, I I, would like to believe that there's a better way for this to happen. And it might, even though she won't believe me, she'll say, no, I've already done my budget. Uh, it might help her to give us a call and make a little budget Sometimes I can really find something she might not have seen, and that might free it up. Or we might come up with another creative way for her to increase her income. So is a 401k loan really your last resort, do you think? I really don't like to take money out of the market that she's trying to build up for her retirement at all, Mm -hmm. because she loses that market power and and the time, and she'll not get that back. One place, one unique place that she might think of to look for some money if she needs a little capital, if she happens to have a life insurance policy that maybe her parents took out or she took out a long time ago that might have a little cash value in it, Mm -hmm. you might borrow against that. That's a lengthy explanation, but I don't want her to cash the policy in because it becomes a taxable event. But if she borrows against it, she can pay the loan back, but she isn't obligated to. Okay. I recommend that she pays at least the interest every year to keep the loan level. And whatever is borrowed against that policy will be deducted from her death benefit when she dies. So that's why I said there are always some creative ways to solve these problems. I hope if she's listening, she'll call me. All right. Let's get your phone number one more time for people to call, especially if they're thinking about uh, retirement or thinking about how to get out of debt. Yeah. And, you know, try not to get bogged down on the debt thing. It's just in the way of your retirement. Just call us. We'll get the debt gone and the retirement cranking. So you can reach us at 413-773-3333. Perfect. Or you can go online at hugyourmoney.com. We will be back again coming up next Saturday with another edition of Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Ram, right here on WHMP.